0: Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who was accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our review of the direct examination of sled agent Melinda Worley by the state. In this installment, we continue our look at Agent Worley's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters. May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... It is early afternoon on January 27, 2023, the third day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. South Carolina Assistant Attorney General Savannah Goud continues her direct examination of Agent Melinda Worley, a senior criminalist in the latent print unit of the SLED Forensic Services Lab who is qualified as an expert in footwear and tire impressions. In our previous episode, Agent Worley described the collection of evidence around the bodies of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, including the retrieval of shotgun shell casings. In this episode, Prosecutor Gowd continues her questioning of the witness regarding evidence collected around Maggie's body.
2: What else did you see around Maggie's body while you were investigating the scene?
0: In the doghouse, the side that
3: was facing her, there was a uh, bullet defect in the side of the doghouse.
2: Was there an um, ATV part under that shed?
3: Yes, there were two.
2: Did you notice anything about um, the ATV?
3: Uh, there appeared to be uh, suspected biological material uh, on the front of the ATV, sort of low down on on the front of it.
2: And where was that ATV in um, relation to Maggie's body?
3: I believe it was off uh, near her left side.
2: Uh, showed these takes exhibit 49, would that be the ATV? Yes, that's it. On the ATV there appeared to be um, tissues. you said? Yes. All right now you mentioned the, um, the doghouse. I'm going show you what's been marked as exhibits 75, 74, and 73. Um, how do you recognize those pictures?
3: Uh, these show the front of the doghouse and then the projectile that we collected from a dog bed that was
0: inside the doghouse.
2: Are those true and accurate depictions?
0: Yes, they are. Prosecutor Goud shows the witness another series of crime scene photographs.
2: If you could tell the jury where that doghouse you were talking about is, is that in that picture?
3: It is. It's uh, more in the background of that picture.
2: pictures are kind of hard to see here. It would be in this this area right here that I'm pointing
3: to? Yes, that's it.
2: And States Exhibit 73. That's, right
3: that's the uh, front of the doghouse.
2: Okay, then um, States Exhibit 74.
3: That was the uh, projectile that was in the bedding of that dog bed that we recovered.
2: And then States Exhibit um, 75.
3: And that is the projectile that we c- collected from the dog bed.
2: And I believe that um, projectile may be in this bag you have here, yes. um, is that item 12? Yes, it is. Okay, and um, how do you know item 12 is that projectile?
3: It's my handwriting on the envelope, date, time, and initials, when I collected it, and my initials on the seal.
2: Do you know anything else about that projectile besides that it's the one that you collected from the doghouse? No. Agent Whirley, this would be States Exhibit 76. Yes, that's it. Ground collected from the doghouse.
0: That's right. Prosecutor Gowd moves on to another area of questioning.
2: All right, now, after you had went out to the, the crime scene, did you make a diagram kind of, you know, piece together the evidence where you could see everything and how it kind of relates to each other?
3: I did. Uh, on scene, I do a rough sketch showing where uh, evidence was located, where the victims were located. I take measurements uh, to show where, where things are in relation to each other.
2: When you made that diagram, um, is it to any kind of scale?
0: No. Prosecutor Dowd shows the witness her diagram.
2: Hey, Agent Forley, is this the diagram that you created after being out there on the crime scene?
0: That's the final uh, diagram I created with a computer, yes. Prosecutor Gowd receives permission for the witness to step down from the stand to guide the jury through her drawing. You
2: can just kind of um, walk the jurors through the crime scene using this diagram.
0: Um, we have Maggie's body here.
3: Just outside of the feed room. Marker one and markers nine and ten inside the feed room. And then we had markers two, three, four, five, six, seven underneath your right knee. Eight tire impressions in the dirt underneath this overhang. Marker 12 was uh, suspected biological material. And then marker 13 where we dug the metal fragments out of the gravel.
2: Now you just mentioned um, some tire impressions being here at item eight. What do you know about that?
3: Uh, They went straight through where the overhang was um, from one end to the other.
2: Did you do any kind of analysis on those tire impressions?
3: Uh, We photographed them with examination quality photographs on scene. Um, I never had any, I guess, uh, test impressions of any tires to compare them to, to do actual uh, comparison in a report, no.
2: And and why was that? Why didn't you do any analysis on the tire impressions?
3: we concluded basically that the gentleman who took care of the dogs he parked there regularly and his uh, tires were consistent with the design of the impressions that were there in the dirt
2: so y'all so essentially they figured out who the tire impressions were right and it wasn't necessary for you to do any analysis yes um, were you aware of any other um tire impressions on the scene that you analyzed no as far as tire impressions in wet grass go How would
3: you analyze those? Uh, All I would be able to do with that would be photograph it. That's not going to leave any kind of design characteristics from the tread of the tire in the grass. I can't really do an analysis, a tire analysis of tire impressions like that.
2: Um, While you were on the scene, did you receive uh, any evidence from Calden County Sheriff's Office um, Barnadette? Yes, I did. What was that?
3: I took custody of a GSR kit and gunshot residue kit that was collected from Alex Murdoch.
2: Also, um, in the course of your investigation, did you um, gather some items of evidence from um, SLED agent Katie McAllister? Yes, I did. Okay, and um, when did you um, collect those items from her?
3: On June 9th.
2: What were those items?
3: I took custody of three shotguns, a rifle, Fired and unfired ammunition and boxes of, empty boxes of ammunition.
2: And what did you do with those items when you took custody?
3: I uh, transported them to the lab at SLED and submitted them to the lab.
2: And all this would, of course, be recorded on a chain of custody?
0: That's right, yes. After Prosecutor Gowd asks the agent to itemize those pieces of evidence, she wraps up this area of questioning.
2: What did you say that you did once you received those items from um, Agent Callister?
3: I transported those to the lab at SLED and submitted them to the lab.
2: Did you um, test fire or do anything with any of that evidence that you collected? No,
3: I I didn't do any of that.
2: Let's move on to um, the Chevy Suburban that was on scene the night of the murder. Did you um, observe that vehicle when you got to the scene?
1: I did.
0: Judge Clifton Newman interrupts the questioning and calls for a brief break as the court deals with some audiovisual technical issues. After these issues have been resolved, Prosecutor Goud continues her questioning by asking the witness to review a series of photographs.
2: Agent Hurley are Exhibits 93, 99, 97, and 96, true and accurate depictions of the um, Chevy Suburban. Yes, they are. In um, States 104, is that a true and accurate depiction of some ammunition that you located?
0: In the other vehicle, yes.
2: That was located in a white F-250?
0: That's right. Goud next directs the witness to open an evidence bag.
2: Um, Agent Whirly, if you could open that up and tell us what kind of shell casing, a shotgun, or shot shell is that item.
3: It's a uh, 16-gauge shot shell, unfired.
2: A 16-gauge shot shell? That's right. Now I think on when it was collected it was marked as a twelve gauge shot shell. That's right. So what happened there?
3: I just made a mistake and wrote twelve gauge instead of sixteen gauge. It's clearly a sixteen gauge.
2: Okay, and that is the shot shell that was collected from the, the back floorboard of the Chevy Suburban. That's right. Okay, and like you said, it is a sixteen gauge instead of a twelve gauge. That's right. And it was just marked incorrectly. Yes. You could tell the jurors what's in saying exhibit ninety three.
3: Uh, that's looking at the, at the scene, uh, the back of the Chevy Suburban, there toward the right side.
2: And, uh, what side of the screen did you say the Suburban's on?
0: The right side. The Chevy Suburban in question is Alex Murdoch's vehicle, which was parked on the grassy area between the kennels and airplane hangar.
2: And, the Suburban was on the scene when you arrived, is that right? Yes. When did you actually process that vehicle?
3: The vehicle was towed from the scene uh, the morning of the 8th, and then we returned um, on the 9th to process the vehicle.
2: So on the scene that night, was that vehicle um, even searched, to your knowledge?
3: Not that I know of, no.
2: When you went to search it, what did you do?
3: We documented it with photographs outside, inside, search for any, any evidentiary value items. Um, if we locate them, we photograph them. And collect them.
2: And what did you locate in the rear floorboard of that
3: vehicle? Uh, the 16-gauge shot shell uh, was on the rear driver's side floorboard of the Suburban. And
2: that would be State's Exhibit 97? Um,
3: yes, that's right.
2: And 96? Yes. Did you um, also process the vehicle to see if there was any blood in there?
3: Uh, we did.
2: Okay, and how did you do that?
3: Um, We first looked at the vehicle with an alternate light source, see if uh, we can see any indications of any blood in the vehicle. Um, We followed that with a couple of different chemical procedures.
2: So did you um, swab some areas in that vehicle? We did. Okay. What areas was that?
3: There were ten areas total. It was the lock-unlock buttons on the driver's door, the driver's door armrest, the driver's side running board below the driver's door, the driver's floorboard, the front edge of the driver's seat, steering wheel, center of the driver's seat back, the front passenger door above the armrest, front passenger seat bottom, and the front passenger seat back.
2: And um, Tanks Exhibit 83 is the actual swabs that you took from that
3: vehicle. Yes, those are.
2: And were those swabs um, presumptive for blood? Yes, they were. Were those swabs presumptive for blood? Yes, they were. States Exhibit 99 is where?
3: That's the uh, steering wheel of the Suburban.
2: What did you do with those swaps that you collected?
3: I packaged them in separate envelopes, uh, sealed the envelopes, labeled it with the description of what was inside the envelope, uh, date, time, and initials, when I collected it, and I sealed it. Um, And then before we transferred them to the lab at SLED.
2: And would you have submitted those to the lab for further analysis for blood?
3: Yes, that's
2: right. Later on, did you have another occasion to go back and process the suburban? I did, yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
3: I returned at a later date to uh, retrieve the seat belt from the driver's side of the vehicle.
2: And why did you want to retrieve the seat belt?
3: For additional uh, trace DNA testing.
2: And when you retrieved that seat belt, um, why did you do
3: with it? It was removed from the vehicle. Uh, included the strap, the buckle, the receiver. Uh, and then there were some hardware components that we couldn't separate from the seat belt itself. I packaged it, I believe, in a paper bag to transport it back to the lab. At SLED. It sled would have been packaged additionally inside of, of a box at the lab and submitted for testing.
2: So I removed the like whole entire seat belt.
3: Yes. Okay.
2: All right, Agent Worley, takes Exhibit One Hundred, which is a little heavier than you would think for a seat belt here. Um, can you tell us if that is the seat belt you collected? Yes.
0: At this point, the jury requests a break, and Judge Newman grants the request. After a brief recess, Prosecutor Gowd resumes her questioning of the witness.
2: We left off with that seat belt. Were you able to open it up so we can show the—okay, so if you could tell us, I mean, what we have there.
3: The entire uh, seat belt, the strap, the uh, receiver, the buckle, yeah. uh, where it was mounted, inside of the
2: so that was all removed and submitted um, to the lab for testing. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's right.
2: Your Honor, Ms. Taylor case exhibit 100 into evidence.
1: Your Honor, I thought we agreed to mark these for ID until the person that did any analysis on it testified.
0: As identification at this time.
2: And if you'll turn your attention to the screen there, then you can that seat belt down in addition to doing a search on the chevy suburban you did a search on the white 250 truck is that right
3: that's right yes
2: and takes exhibit 104 those 300 blackouts found in the truck yes and do you remember where you collected those from
3: i believe the center console
2: and takes exhibit 103 you tell us is that the 300 blackouts that we're seeing on the screen there that were collected yes and how do you know those are the blackouts you
3: collect? It's my handwriting on the on the box with the date and time and initials when I collected it. My initials on the sealed tape on the box.
2: Your Honor, this tape removes Tate's Exhibit One Hundred Three into evidence.
0: Okay, admit um, it.
2: Did y'all also process another vehicle, making that all Mercedes? Yes, we did. Uh, were any items of evidentiary value collected from that vehicle?
3: The only items we collected are two sets of swabs from the interior and two sets of swabs from the exterior uh, door releases of the driver's door.
2: Did you attend the uh, autopsies of Maggie and Paul Murdoch? I did. Did you collect any items during the autopsy? I did. And what were those?
3: They were uh, items that were collected during the autopsy that were transferred to me via chain of custody forms. From Maggie, I got clothes, fingernail clippings, projectile fragments. And from Paul, I also got his clothes, fingernail clippings, shotgun pellets, and wadding fragment from left shoulder and head, plastic wadding from left axilla her armpit. And when
2: you collected those items, what did you do with
3: them? I transported them to the lab at SLED and submitted them uh, to the lab for analysis.
0: Prosecutor Gowd shows Agent Worley the items that she just described for identification purposes. Among those collected were Maggie Murdoch's shoes.
2: Yes, Exhibit 36, and those are the shoes that you did the inked um, impressions of the footwear to compare to those bloody prints in the feed room? Yes, they are.
0: Prosecutor Gowd moves to enter all of the items into evidence, but the defense objects, asserting that until analysts testify about chain of custody and testing done on the items, the items should only be admitted for identification purposes, and Judge Newman sustains that objection. Gowd next asks about the collection of the defendant Alex Murdoch's clothing.
2: Okay, it's Whirly. Also, in this case, um, we just talked about Paul and Maggie's clothing. Did you analyze the defendant's clothing? I did. And I think we said um, earlier that his clothing was collected from Agent David Owen? Yes. And um, you received that clothing into your custody and submitted it into the sled lab
3: that's right i took custody of the clothing uh, before we left the scene
2: so what kind of um, testing were you involved in in regards to um, the defendant's clothing
3: uh, we processed the t-shirt and the shorts uh, with lcv it's a presumptive test for blood
2: what is uh, lcb uh,
3: leukocrystal violet is a presumptive test uh, looks for um, hemoglobin component of blood
2: So what happens when you put it on something? If it's
3: reacting to uh, the presence of blood, um, it's a presumptive positive test, and it'll turn purple.
2: Can LCV react to other things besides what? It can. Like what?
3: Uh, Bleach, rust, I think are the main ones.
2: All right, so um, when you process the defendants' clothing with the LCV, what did you find? Uh,
3: There were several areas of of staining that we had a presumptive positive result, several on the front and a few on the back of the T-shirt.
2: And what about the shorts?
3: The shorts, there were a few um, on the front and back.
2: So when you got that um, presumptive test with the LCV, what did you do with the shark then?
3: We documented the entire process with photographs, um, starting from taking it out of the package to before before we did anything at all with it. We took photographs of the front, the back, inside, and outside. Once we sprayed it with the LCV and saw all the stains that we saw on it, we re-photographed it again with a scale. Without a scale first, then with a scale for each stain Um, Then we laid the shirt flat and labeled each of the stains with a letter and photographed it again with that letter and a scale in the photograph for each of the stains.
2: And you did that for the shirt and for the pants? Yes. Okay. And as far as um, your analysis goes after the shirt was processed with the, and shorts were processed with the LCV, did you do any further analysis? No, I did not. Now, after something has been sprayed with LCV... What happens to that object?
3: Over time, any any area of the object that came in contact with the LCV, uh, the LCV will oxidize and the entire thing will be purple.
2: So like right now, if you sprayed this paper with LCV and it didn't turn like purplish blue, would it eventually turn purplish blue even though there's no blood on this paper?
0: Yes. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our review of Sled Agent Melinda Worley's testimony. Also, check out the new Crime Story Podcast Night Raid wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.